Welcome to the Football Ramble. Hansi Flick, Nick's their sixth, and Sevilla win the Sevilla League. It's Monday, the 24th of August. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Andy Brassel. Friends, the 2019-20 men's football season is finally complete. It is complete. Let's go on holiday. <laughs> well, it starts again on Saturday, isn't it? Oh, okay. So, it'll have to be a quick holiday. <laughs> France and Russia have already started ages ago. I mean, that that was the interesting thing about this, wasn't it? The fact that while Bayern were busy winning the Champions League, mm. the coach who they started the season with was managing his next club in the 20. 20- 21 season because Niko Kovac was making his Ligue 1 debut with Monaco yesterday and yeah. while his, his old pals well I, I think they wouldn't call him a pal yeah. but uh, well, living it up in Lisbon he was 2-0 down to Rons after 25 minutes at home he did come back though didn't he yeah, that, they, they, snatched, they snatched a draw yeah. plucky Monaco yeah oh goodness me you love to see it I wonder what Mbappe thought of all that. He probably was checking it on uh, Plus Score afterwards. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably. So if it is genuinely the end of 2019-20, mm. would that explain, Kate, why you, why you left after Friday's show on an open-top bus to crowded streets in Islington? <laughs> yeah, for all the fans that turned out, I want to say thank you. I um, It meant a lot to you and the club. It meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to the Ramble, I think it's yeah. fair to say. And, uh, and Andrea, You were like plucky little Monaco in a way, weren't you? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy, I just want to say, you know, thanks for being such a good sport and for for turning up today. After I left with, me, with me items humiliation. in a bin bag. <laughs> like Harry Maguire turning up for international duty. <laughs> We go again. <laughs> and um, actually, Jim, I meant to ask, have you managed to make up with Pete yet? Make up with Pete? Yeah, it's, you know, you, you had, you had your now? show, you had your show down, and then you had your little catch up afterwards. You see, that would be the ultimate Luke's game, really, wouldn't it? Mm. How are you doing? Yeah, I forget what Pete and I are generally beefing about. So I think it's the list right is the so it long. Probably, it's probably not. It's the probably, list it's probably is some so issue long. He's got. Very much the Nas and Jay Z of the football round. <laughs> I don't think I know what that means. Of course not. <laughs> Game was all right, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Paris, Saint- Paris Saint-Germain, also plucky. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, ultimately not successful in getting that first Champions League trophy. Mm, it was... Um... Did you think it was a good game? I think I've seen a bit of mixed reaction to it. It was very much a sort of... Um... It was enjoyable from a sort of tactical perspective, wasn't it? It wasn't necessarily a barn burner uh, of, of a sort of um, spectacle, but I, I was just quite enjoying the way Bayern can do that, can just kind of enact a controlled demolition of an opponent that's very, very difficult to break down and, and that yeah. could hurt them. Um, because, I mean, a lot of people before the game were talking about Bayern's relatively high line and how Barcelona actually, in the early stages, managed to get a little bit, bit of joy about them. And would they, would they change that? Uh, to accommodate PSG's f- front three. And obviously the danger there is that if you mix up your own game too much, then you you lose sight of what it is that makes you good and you become vulnerable. But there's, there's never a, a hint of that with Bayern, is there? Like you never sense that they're ever going to sort of really miss a step. It, it's funny because I think in the second half, you, you talked about whether it was a good game, Jim. I thought the first half was 
it sort of teased a vintage final despite mm. there being no goals. But the problem was after half time that the jeopardy disappeared because Bayern stepped it up yeah. and Bayern swarmed all over Paris Saint-Germain. And if they swarmed over most teams like that, they're beating them three or four nil. Yes. Because they were really, really good in the second half. But what really struck me, what you were saying about the high line is actually a mindset. It's not a tactic. Because if you look at the semi-final against Lyon, when they went one nil up um, through Gnabry after, which was against the run of play after Lyon had had some good chances at the beginning, they consciously thought, right, Let's wind it in. Let's defend 10 yards deeper. We've had our warnings and now we want to close the door. And you think globally, they're going to take it into that that game against Paris Saint-Germain because Paris have got the players who could actually make the most of that. Mm. Players who've got the pace to beat the line, which Barcelona's didn't, and the players to actually finish those chances once they get there, which Leon didn't. But if you look at the the, the half chances that, that that Paris had in the second half, it's just Bayern, because they're doing their swarming thing, it just draws them forward, isn't it? Mm. It's, 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 it's not... It's not a tactic always. I, I don't think they're playing the high line. It's just the fact that we batter teams. That's what they do. And we're not going to change that. And there are a couple of like Alfonso Davies interceptions on the halfway line that if he didn't make them, there's no need for them to fly on the seat of their pants like that. They're one nil up. They're controlling the game. Just close it out. That They are the least likely team in the world. Sorry, Pete, for Keegan's Newcastle of 95, 96. <laughs> they're the least likely team to hold it in the corner when they're... Yeah. They're, they're, they're one nil up. That's another aspect of Hansi Flick, isn't it? Is that their supreme confidence, though? Well, it probably yeah. it might not even cross their mind that there's danger if this doesn't go right because they just make so few mistakes. I think there was there was a mistake where Kylian Mbappe had a good chance that he should absolutely have buried. I was other, just about to say, that, is that the most was that the most egregious PSG miss of the night? Yeah. Because there were a few, and that I mean, Kylian Mbappe, we you know. 21 years old, he's played in pretty much everything there is to play in terms mm. of high-level football competition. Mm. Um, but it seemed as though he fluffed that. He could have put it... Well, look, Neuer might have saved it either way, yeah. but he could have put it many other places where it would have been more likely to go in the goal other than his hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was practically a pass-back, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It, yeah, I think it, it's just like... It's come at him too quickly, maybe, and perhaps the occasion or just Neuer's presence has got to yeah. him there. I think he was very; they were very close, which is another reason to think it might have been. Neuer has easy to score. Neuer has been more vintage Neuer this tournament, hasn't he, Kate? I mean, you know, we've had this discussion about um, the, the, the talk in Germany for a couple of years of did Tushtegen deserve the, the the chance in the national team? And I, I think he definitely has, but. A, because of what happened in the quarterfinal when they came head-to-head. And there are a lot of people who don't watch Neuer or to Stegen on a regular basis judging them on, on that. And no goalkeeper's ever going to come off well after conceding eight goals. But the, the, the fact is that Neuer has had a brilliant final eight tournament in, in Portugal. He's been vintage Neuer. And what you said, Jim, about that, that presence, mm. I, th- I think that's absolutely right. But you, you just felt that, I think, throughout the final, that sense of the occasion getting to Paris Saint-Germain a little bit. I mean, obviously we're going to discuss Neymar because he's the only one who did what we wanted in terms of crying loads at the end of the <laughs> final. Because you want to see those tears on the pitch at the end of the final. Yeah. Well, you want but, it to mean something to these big players as well, not just the Schadenfreude of it. Ex- exactly. I mean, there, there was there was quite a bit of looking glum 
Mm. That's not enough That's for me. That's not enough. I mean, Leandro... And especially in the absence of fans, right? You, you, you normally you'd be able to get the cutaways to so- sobbing fans yeah, at various, exactly. yeah. uh, you know, aesthetics. Right, right but... up until the point where they see themselves on the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, I'm out there. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy now. <laughs> look, at, look at Messi and Ronaldo. Ronaldo, we've seen his tears so many times and he really, really means it. Like, with, after the, the buying game, Messi was like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I want to go now. I want to. You want he a always wants you to have a go tantrum. now, though, doesn't he? Oh, is he playing to way. the? Is he playing to the crowd? Yeah, perhaps. I don't know, but um, I think yeah, it's it's part of it, isn't it? The 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 elite level meltdown if you haven't won because that mentality is is part of how you get there in the first place. But yeah, um, Mbappe looks suitably glum as well. I just yeah, I. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because as you say, I, th- I think. Bayern have thrashed everyone else on the way there. PSG actually emerged with a lot of credit, which is, um, has, has perhaps been lost a little bit in, in the narrative of it. Because, you know, the 8-2 against Barcelona and obviously what they did to Chelsea and what they did to Tottenham earlier in the group stages as well, they, they have been absolutely ruthless. And, like, I don't know, I think PSG gave a really good count of themselves and very unlucky with that, with, with maybe not taking their chances properly because you're only going to get a few. But... Yeah, it, it just feels like, it, it feels sort of obvious, doesn't it? It's Bayern are very obviously the best team in Europe. So it's, mm. it's, a, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a strange one. But I wonder if this will go down when the dust has settled, um, given the circumstances of the tournament, given the fact it's happening as late as August, over a calendar year after, after the season started in most places. If, you know, no fans, the kind of general kind of um, mental duress everybody is under just mm. as a human being at, at this, this point because of, because of COVID. And I think, will people look back on this and think, actually, this might be the hardest Champions League to win ever. The circumstances are utterly, utterly unprecedented and the not Bayern the sort of thing you up, can prepare for. The Bayern have picked up their previous form after mm. that, I think is pretty incredible. Yeah. The, the, the fact that you talk about that 30-game win, a run of having won 29 games and, and drawn one, like, and that straddles either side of the the shutdown for the pandemic. That's absolutely extraordinary. I also think it reminded me a little bit of, you know what Gareth Southgate said about if you can get to a final and play competently, you know, when the occasion is resting on you, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. And that was a, that was a good performance from Bayern. It wasn't like a performance for the ages, but it was a good performance. It was a more than a competent performance, yeah. especially in the in the second half where they really took control of it. I think to play that well in a, a final is quite an underrated mm. feat because we, we talked about the stress of the occasion getting to players. I mean, I look at Neymar and I think, well, the, the pressure on him, I, I know he's someone who, who craves responsibility. He loves to heap it all on his back, but you just kind of wonder sometimes how much pressure is too much pressure. His whole time at Paris Saint-Germain has to be, right, you've come here to win the Ballon d'Or and to win us the Champions League. That is very little margin for error. Yeah. Mm. And you felt that he's, what well, I felt that he's felt that. Certainly at various stages, you look at the, the, the quarterfinal with Atalanta where he played pretty well. Obviously he missed a couple of chances, but he, he, he played pretty well. Right up until the point, it gets to about 60 minutes and he thinks, Oh, shit, maybe this isn't happening. Mm. And he starts to give the ball away a bit and he starts to chip at other players. He got the chippy bit where... at the end, didn't he? He exactly. got yellow and he was, he was sort of slashing around at, at various his, his head goes. players. His head goes, mm. to- yeah. totally. But that, I mean, that's a massive failing, isn't it? You know, totally. You, you wouldn't, well, I was going to say you wouldn't accuse Cristiano Ronaldo of doing that, but actually you might. I mean, you, you know. Not anymore, I don't Not think. anymore in the past, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. So 
that's maybe just a function of the stage he's at. I know it's been bandied about a lot, but of course, you know, Neymar cost 222 million euros. The yeah. whole of the Bayern Munich starting 11 was 86 yeah. million. Yeah, it's phenomenal given that it's, it's Bayern Munich we're talking about. Mm. There's no sort of plucky underdog status there. The fact <laughs> they've managed themselves so well that they've only needed to spend that amount. Jim, it's final. There's got to be a plucky That's underdog true. story. <laughs> and incredibly, in this context, it is them somehow. Which is absolutely, like, we do live in upside down land, don't we? It's, Dortmund it's, fans going, I feel you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a sixth uh, Champions League title for Bayern Munich, let's not forget. Mm. Doesn't It feels like they should have more, doesn't it? it I mean, is there a... I know that's a lot, but is there a sense at Bayern that they should have won the European Cup more times, do you think? Certainly in recent years, because if you think since 2013, they've had the highs of the football they played under Guardiola. They've had the semi-inertia or maybe even rolling backwards downhill a little bit of Ancelotti and, and Kovac. They've had other opportunities. But I think if you look at the whole Champions League era from like 1992, you could you could argue that Bayern, give or take the Real Madrid run, are the, are the dominant club mm. in, in that era. I mean, like people might not be aware, but like if you look at, say, just the money aspect of it in terms of um, prize money, um, television pool, etc., Bayern made more money out of the first 10 years of the Champions League than anyone else, which I think is quite astonishing, really. Mm. And they've, they've never gone away. You know, they've yeah. never had a real fallow period in the Champions League they're, they're always almost there so that spell that Juventus had at the end of the 90s under Lippi where they're in the final three times in a row and they only won one of them and it should have been their dominant spell that kind of dominant spell of always being a shadow over the proceedings mm. apart from a, a, a few like well what for them would be failures like going out in the, in the last eight or last 16 Bayern are always there yeah they're, they're, they're always there Okay, let's look ahead, shall we? Now, we I mean, we talked, we've reflected a lot. Everyone's reflected on this um, Champions League final. So I wonder if we can think about what happens now for PSG. Because we know that the the ambition of the Qatar um, leaders who wanted to invest in, in the club is to make their brand as big as any yeah. sporting brand in the world. It's sort of... Um, yeah, as, as big as Real Madrid, as big as, I don't know, Golden State Warriors when they're winning the title, the NBA the whole time. Mm. Um, they've got to a final. Yes, it's been a very difficult Champions League for anybody to win, but there's some argument that playing a single leg favours yeah. Paris Saint-Germain. And the draws they got as well. Oh my goodness, and yeah. the draws they got. You know, people, first timers, Atalanta, people who haven't had, mm. I'll be Leipzig who haven't been to this stage in the Champions League before. Someone who's more nervous than us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, so, with that in mind, what happens now? Because as you say, Neymar is there to, to win these things, yet perhaps it could happen next season. But does it, in your view? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because they are such a basket case of a club in terms of what's expected of them. Because a domestic a domestic treble and a, and a Champions League final is obviously amazing. At the moment, they will, that will probably feel like a failure to them because of the disappointment of getting that disappointment of getting that far, losing it. But I mean, it is progress, isn't it? They they, they were they had a real yeah. hoodoo in the Champions League. Like getting to a final at all is 
is a huge, huge step in the direction for them to actually, you know, to basically do what you're saying about buying Andy, to just be there constantly and like, yeah. install themselves as a fixture in those last periods of it. That's got to be the aim, hasn't it? Yeah, because you wonder, like, if they win it, they're not just going to stop, are they? They're not just going to, like, say, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll remove the funding now. You can just go go back to being normal Paris Saint-Germain. Like, you, you say it, that. There's a permanence to this. You say that, Jim. How long do you think Neymar's holiday would have been if they'd have won it? <laughs> I say he wouldn't have come back till end of November, start of December. Yeah, you maybe you're right. Lot of Instagram. Yeah, lots lot of, of Instagram. Instagram. Perhaps in some sort of local jail for a little while, <laughs> as is the rage at the moment. <laughs> Oh dear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, possibly. Um, uh, No, sorry, I mean, absolutely, definitely not. That's not what we're implying. Um, But yeah, you know, the question about has always been about playing in Liga. I know there's been all these jokes about Farmers League and oh, look, we've both, we've got Bundesliga and Liga unrepresented in the Champions League final. But week to week, you you know this, Andy, this is not. Um, it's not a stretch to say that it's not a stretch for Paris Saint-Germain to win every game they want in Liga. Uh, uh, well, you say that. I, I just wonder if there's a, there's a question this season because normally when you lose in the Champions League final, it's an incredibly traumatic moment. Yeah. But you have some months to get yeah, away with it. it and get o- over it because yeah. your best players are going to reflect at a moment like that. Like, yeah. like your question, Kate, like, what are we doing? Where are we going? What are the prospects of us being able to go one better in the, in the near future? So if you're Neymar, Mbappe, Verratti, despite the fact that he gets a pay rise every six months, you all have a look at yourselves and go, what am I doing with my career? Yes. Can I do this some better somewhere else now obviously Paris Saint-Germain are in a position a rare position an almost unique position where they don't have to sell players that they don't want to but there's going to be that little period of unrest and like Verratti was there before after the Remontado where they got knocked out by Barcelona he's strongly pushed to leave and it, it didn't happen in the end but the thing is they're playing away at Lens on Saturday. Mm. It's like five that's, days time. That's actually where so Benoit Asicotto um, joined Spurs from. <laughs> Is that right? I learn something from you every show, Kate. <laughs> yes, they're busy. <laughs> but I, I, there's no time to process it. And, and that, I think, is a, a difficulty. If you were to tell me that they struggle to get going in Ligue 1 despite their brilliance and they were third at Christmas that would not surprise me mm. because so much of it is about what they put in I think you can underestimate actually how difficult it is to be expected to win Completely. and to, to batter teams every single week it's, it's, it's tough and there will be players who are thinking about what they what they do next a, a, a little bit I mean obviously I think the main things are there's going to be a degree of stability because of the post-COVID transfer market because they can't fire Thomas Tuchel because he literally can't walk out of the building at the moment. <laughs> oh, bless him. And <laughs> yeah. I can imagine the cool it, box. clearing out his desk with a cool box. <laughs> yeah. You know what the market's going to be like given that Paul Pogba's agent has stated he's definitely going nowhere this summer. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think really stability is the way forward for them. What worked for them this season globally is that they had quite a sensible transfer window, give or mm. give or take Mauro Acardi, who's an opportunity signing and... Mm. 
and a mad player to leave on the bench. Oh my goodness me! What yeah. the hell was that but about? If, if, if you're him, do you regret signing permanently? Given that that moment so, came yeah. up that you were surely signed for. Yeah, and yeah, and <laughs> so they, exactly what they needed. I mean, was I've, what they disregarded. I've, I've seen the argument that he didn't play well in the quarterfinal. You don't buy Icardi to play well. You buy Icardi to score goals, and that's exactly yeah. what they needed. At that much, yeah. If Get on to Tuchel. Come on, Russell. I mean, you, th- you, th- you think of it, your wife's hired a private jet to come over and see you and you don't play a bloody minute yeah. in the Champions League oh, final. Oh, God, I mean, it's a sob story as old as time, isn't it? <laughs> Pastel de Nattas aren't that nice, are they? Oh, but they are But they are, they are that nice. nice I'm, I'm sure, indeed. I'm, I'm sure Wanda feels like, easy about it. But, of course, what they should do is be nice and stable. But I do wonder if it gets in their heads a little bit, the fact that... You know, they spend 1.4 billion on players in the last nine years, and a guy from their academy scores the winner <sighs> yeah. against them in the final. And they Poetry. had they had this massive clear out of academy players who they didn't think were going to get. That was their way of making money last yeah. summer. So they got rid of Nkunku and Giabi and other players like that. I wonder if, like, politically, it's not a good look now. Yeah, agree. So, so what what happens? Do they make more of their academy in the future? But that requires a lot of uh, long term thinking yeah. and patience, and I don't know when you want to get a hammer and smash everything up at the moment. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's yeah. about letting that dust settle and not making emotional decisions right away. Yeah. And go, briefly touching on the goal because we haven't discussed it yet. Kingsley Coman, yes, it was brilliant. What a moment for him, but also. Like from Thiago's past onwards, that what a beautiful passage of play! It was so so good. My, I think my favourite bit is Muller's ball back to Kimmich. Mm-hmm. Just the, the sort of spin he gets on it that allows like Kimmich has to like stop it and then like kind of chip it in in that particularly like technically brilliant way that we've we've seen that, that, that he has in him. And I just I just loved it. It was just like. I could watch that goal over and over again. He bamboozled them as well because they were standing off uh, PSG. They were standing off him. It almost looked like um, a free kick. It almost looked like a dead ball situation when he took it. He stood off and and just pitched it beautifully into... Um, into Coman. It was, you're, you're it was right. a great goal to watch. It, it was, and like the, I think it underlined the, the collective as well, which is the main difference mm. between them and Paris Saint-Germain, apart from the experience, of course. Because you think... You don't pick Coman as the winning goal scorer in the in the final. You don't necessarily pick Kimmich, who normally plays in midfield now, not right back anymore, but he is because of Pavard's injury, as the assister as well. But they can create and score from anywhere, mm. anywhere. Yeah. Kimmich's so reliable, isn't he? Like he, he just like it's machine like from him. It's and mm. Bayern seems so good at that. Like having a Philip Lahm type that you just know you can constantly depend on. And he's a, he's a, just an, another he's, in that ilk. He's a sexier version of Philip Lahm. <laughs> he's a much sexier version of Philip Lahm. Kingsley Coman, obviously, as well, the only change made uh, by Hansi Flick for the, the final. Um, changes may be coming, though. Let's have a little glance at these plenty of players being linked as, of course, we know transfer talk can be a bit of a, you know, fun fantasy football game for, for journalists. Another little dance there. Little dance. That was more like <laughs> a... Transfer dance. Yeah, transfer dance. Sure, I've been working on it. Can you tell? <laughs> this is a Sky thing. Are they making you dance with the transfer window now. But they're actually getting uh, rid of the yellow ticker in Kate's dancing every time there's a transfer now. <laughs> I, yes, that would be an extraordinary thing to experience for everybody involved. Um, Tiago is linked with Liverpool and also Chelsea um, 
in that there's all of those stats that they that you see on Twitter all the time afterwards. Uh, Statman Dave basically just ranked Thiago as being first in pretty much everything he did for the Bayern team. Mm. Uh, so presumably oh, it would be great to see him come to the Premier League. Does it seem a bit surprising that he would be so keen to to leave a side like this? I think you look at what he's been through in terms of injuries and other stuff. Yeah. I think it makes sense for him to leave. I think Bayern think it makes sense for him to leave as well. I mean, they'd like to keep him. And I still wouldn't completely rule that out, especially after the, the glow of a final. And, yeah. You know, you talked about not getting over emotional. Well, they, they could go and give him a new contract. Mm. But, you know, they were they were keen to keep him but not happy to bet the farm on keeping him. And if everyone's completely fit, he doesn't even start that final. Yeah. Pavar plays at right back yes. and Kimmich plays in, in midfield, which I think is, is is probably worth underlining. But I think, you know, with, with Alaba, for example, who's another player with a year left on his contract, they will do every, everything to keep him because he's... With he's Alaba? Abso- yeah, because he's absolutely vital to, right. to them. So I'm I'm pretty sure that they will come to a point where Alaba will re-sign. But I, I think from both sides, it really makes sense that, that Thiago moves on. Although when you started saying Thiago, I wondered if you meant Thiago, Thiago Alcantara or oh, Thiago Silva. Sorry, yeah, exactly. yeah, I should have probably... Because Thiago Silva has also been linked with... Chelsea. 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 Yeah, Fiorent- Fiorentina. Now, you see, I'm here all day for that. Yeah. Bit of Thiago Silva, bit of Ribery in the same That'd team. Lovely. Oh, finishing seventh in Serie A, living the dream. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be all over that. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, I tell you what, the, um, we're going to have to have a break in a second, but I just wanted to, I guess, an honourable mention uh, for Ander Herrera's post-match interview. Always lovely to get a, the S word in there, just in the post-match. Beautiful. It was about fans. What's it like without fans, Ander? It's shit. That's what you want to hear. <laughs> Ander Herrera looks like a drawing of a child. You know that? He looks like a drawing of a child. I'd rather look like a drawing of a child than a drawing by a child. Child, yeah. yeah. yeah, Who's drawn this drawing? Like a sort of um, one of those street art caricaturists. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, And Herrera doesn't, you know, he doesn't have any sort of like easily exaggeratable features. So this guy's been quite conservative in the drawing of the child. (laughs) That's just how I've, that's what Ander Herrera makes me feel. So finally I've told the world. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, what Ander Herrera feels is that fans are the king in this sport. Football without fans is nothing. Of course, this business had to continue. Even for people who were suffering, it was a good escape for them. But let's get the bloody fans back in. That's my end to the interview. And I absolutely agree, people. It... Yeah, uh, you do feel for the players as well after that because that moment on the on the you know on the pitch after the game when they're celebrating, they're making those memories, they're taking their photos, they're doing all the things that they do. Like you do want the you do want the fans there for that, but you know it wasn't to be, was it? It wasn't. Well, we're gonna discuss another uh, final without fans after the break, and also bring you a brand new topic. Yes, welcome back to the Football Ramble. Jim and Andy and me in this lovely old studio of ours. Now it's time for this. We concentrate on the topics. We're pretty good to many topics today. Yes, after the pylon, basically, to Julian Nagelsmann's horrible suit. Sorry if you're listening, mate. Uh, we just want to know if you could dress a manager, who would you pick and what are they wearing? So you get to pick any manager and 
design an outfit or suggest a style of outfit, that is what we want from you on the topics this week. I've got one from Andy Wright on Twitter. Would you like to hear it? Mm, we sort of love shut, to hear it. Yeah, we're sort of shut in here. So, but you know, yes, good. I'm glad you're enthusiastic. I choose a theme each week, says Andy. Thanks for tweeting. And every manager must wear the same outfit. Brilliant. At the end of the season, an award should be given to who has looked consistently the best over the year. I like that a lot. Mm. I think that's very much in the spirit of things. So they can do their own take on whatever that outfit is, right? As I understand oh, it. Or but... is it more like a costume you're presenting or you get to do your own flair elements? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I guess he's saying they must wear the same outfit. So I, I, I guess maybe it has to be the exact same garment. And I, I suppose you're judging them as a sort of clothes horse at that point, aren't you? Like, yeah. Okay. No, I think you must be right. I was, then. I was looking at it as like you know Wild West week or yeah, you know oh, some, nice. some something like that superhero week. Yeah. Although you know it does look a bit <laughs> justice for dads. <laughs> I, I suppose if you get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Although also and also um. Is this just for the Premier League? We've been asking. No, yeah, presumably. Which 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 Premier League coach do you think would look the best in a superhero suit? Hmm. Um. I, th- I think I think Jurgen Klopp just because of I was going to say the Jürgen way Klopp that as well. the way that he he stands. I could see him as a as a Captain America or a Superman. I actually feel that Klopp is more of a charismatic villain. It may sound controversial, really? but okay. just the general look he's got, he'd be... He can hold be, a cat and stroke yeah, it. Yeah, he'd be the best thing in the movie, but I don't think he's necessarily actually playing the the, the, uh, the protagonist. I think Sean Dyche would be the most enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd really fun. go for it. I think he's an undercover uh, real fan of dressing up parties. Mm. I really can imagine him putting a lot of effort into masks could, and stuff. I could see him as like a villain in X-Men 4 or something like that, but... I think... Um, Prohibition Week. Sean Dyche is killing that. <laughs> in a like, sort of hard-boiled gumshoe. Brilliant. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yes, I think it'd be great. And I think you're right. It must be about like making your own take on the the choice. I mean, what I was going to say is about you know, surely if it's just about the clothes horse element, Andrea Pirlo now is going to be a boss. So there's not really yeah. much point in running the competition. <laughs> Maybe we'll keep it Premier League then. Yeah. Otherwise, you know. He's going to win it every time. I think it would be a good thing for Pep Guardiola because I worry a little that he's going down the Jose Mourinho route. You well, know, you know how tracksuity. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, he was Stone Island when he arrived at Manchester City, and now it feels like you know, Eminem direct jumpers. You know. Yeah, I feel like someone dresses him though, similar with Nagelsmann. Like I feel like Pep's got a stylist. I just sort of assume they all do. What's your one, Andy? Um, my one is from Chris Smith on email. Thank you, Chris. All managers must dress as the team mascot for at least one game of the season unannounced. They must lead the team out in full costume <laughs> and not take any part of it off until the final whistle. Would you wear it early on in a competition and get it out of the way or leave it for later and have your team have, have to manage your team dressed like an acrylic-stuffed nightmare in a crucial fixture? <laughs> Wait, so oh, so you can still... Stand in the technical area. And yes, I, I don't think yeah. there's there's Indicate. not there's not like a mystery element to it, which I, I thought there there might be. I just think it's <laughs> it's a good idea in theory from Chris, but I think you know they always have this discussion in Spain at the start of every season about if if Sevilla are made to play before like nine o'clock at night. Is that humane? I think the same thing. It's incredibly hot in those suits. Isn't it? If yeah. you're the sort of person who who has got to do it in August, 
I think that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. we've seen what, what Pep can do to a jumper, haven't we? So <laughs> he would really struggle. But you've got the option of doing it when it's cooler. You know, it's, you can do it whenever you like. I think... Oh, it's never cool to be in a mascot suit. <laughs> I think Chris is, is onto something here. I think most people would get it out of the way straight away. Just don't want to have that first nonsense. One of the first picture of the season. Yeah. Mikel Arteta's dressed as Gunnosaurus. He, he's not happy about it, but it's the rules and that's the way the, the, the football's f- gone for some reason in this scenario. I the, really the want to see is, it. I, 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 I think that's that's fine because like with someone like... It's, it's like with, with my club, Wimbledon, with like our last couple of managers have been like playing legends and with Arteta you think of him dressing up as Gunnosaurus or you know Glyn Hodges dressing up as the Womble that's fine we know you're a club legend I mean the only thing that would be particularly good about Arteta is the least likely man to use a t-shirt cannon that, that, that I, can, I can think of scream if you want one at the back come on <laughs> for some reason I can't stop thinking about Nuno dressed up as an actual as a wolf yeah, I just think oh, that would be so sweet that would be quite cool what, Watford would be interesting wouldn't it if they carry on as they are you've got like three or four Harry the Hornets a season like because if, if a new manager comes in presumably it resets right oh difficult yeah that's a real issue probably isn't it that might even encourage people to Watford to stick with managers can, can you imagine <laughs> if you're the third manager of the season how sweaty the costume would be yeah well presumably they'd wash it but who knows maybe it's a superstition thing anyway Jim well done for not saying Jose Mourinho is a cock <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed I didn't, to be honest. Um, Richard Kutcher uh, on Twitter is rounding us off by simply saying, Big Sam in a kimono. Short and sweet. Mm. Both the tweet and the kimono. (laughs) I fear. Stop crossing your legs, Sam. (laughs) Oh, it's basic basic instinct three. (laughs) I like the contrast between the quite fully creative first two and the... Basically puerile. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Just as a policy. Yeah. Just round it off with a puerile one. That's what we're all about. Yeah. That's it what is. we like here. Yeah, that is true. On brand. Well, decide if you want to be puerile or whatever the opposite of puerile is. Grown up. Um, and send us your, your, your suggestion for the topics. We'll be reading them out all week on the show. Get in touch. Email show at footballrambledaily.com or tweet us using the hashtag Ramble topics. Thank you for all your suggestions so far. It's really nice to see you guys all getting involved. We love it. Now, let's go to the Europa League because Sevilla are champions yet again. This extraordinary ability to take an, a cup competition, a European cup competition, and turn it into their just playground. their playground, yeah. their wheelhouse. This is it. This is what it's, we do. It doesn't yeah. matter who we're up against. 3-2 like, against Inter. It's like they use the Champions League as a way to qualify for the Europa League. <laughs> it's, it's, they're playing some sort of opposite land game, and I like it. You do wonder if like, Sevilla fans sort of finish second in a Champions League group as you know I think they've got a pretty good chance of doing in the coming season the fans are like oh shit yeah no trophy (laughs) for us this year it's a bloody trophy might knock out United with our worst side for 10 years but that's barely a (laughs) consolation is it but it is um, it's an astonishing thing it is deliberately targeted isn't it it is a particular aim to win the Europa League from Sevilla which is unusual because most teams obviously it's the Champions League or Boston it is very much seen as the second competition that you know I know some people are grateful to be there of course they are but um, Sevilla treat this in a unique way and it just pays dividends but they're they're a well supported club but they're not historically hugely successful club and Mm. I feel that's that's part of it and you know they've become this um 
cusp of Champions League, Europa League, sort of fourth, fifth, sort of best team in in, in Spain over a number of years now. But they weren't always that. Mm. I, I mean, Sevilla were always thought of as being gritty, competitive, dare I say, a, a little bit dirty, yeah. reflective of the sort of working class values of, of, of the city and um, defined really by by the derby with, with, with Betis. So for them to break out of that and develop, well, obviously it says a, a, a lot for Monchi's work over now, uh, two spells, but they've come an enormously long way. If you'd have told a Sevilla fan in like the year 2000, when they're getting relegated from the top flight, when Betis got relegated in the same season, okay, 20 years from time, 20 years from now, you're not only going to be a fixture in the top flight, a fixture in the top five or six of the top flight, you're going to have won six European trophies. Yeah. Like, no one would have believed you. It's astonishing. And what's even more amazing is the fact that we can talk about their history in this competition. This set of players haven't done it before. Yeah. Nine of the starters were new this season. This season? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you've got a coach who no one rated as a club coach in mm. Hulan Lopetegui. And that was before he got fired from Spain and Real Madrid in the space of five months. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing rebuilding job from him in terms of his reputation, isn't it? And isn't it nice as well to see um, see a final that was actually a real cracker of a game? Because oh, quite wow. often they're really cagey, aren't they? And yeah. people play the occasion rather than the actual game. But this was all over the place. Did you hear the BT Great. commentary? I've just forgotten who it was, but they, he kept being like, what a game! Oh, goodness! What a game this is! <laughs> it's yeah. like, they, they were probably doing that on the touchline, though, because if you think these are safety-first sides. So we talked about... You know the, the 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 fact that sometimes nerves can inhibit a final, inhibit an occasion. Nerves made this final, yeah, because neither of those teams, Sevilla or Inter, are comfortable playing that kind of game. They like yeah. to defend thoroughly. Inter go long for Lukaku or or Lautaro, and Sevilla like to keep it tight. Now I, I just do wonder with Diego Carlos, who there's been a lot of noise about, mm. and we we spoke about this on Friday, didn't didn't we, Kate? The fact that if there was a way that Inter could maybe get at Sevilla, who are so good at defensively, Diego Carlos would not look comfortable with the ball over the top to someone who was strong and Lukaku fast. Lukaku often, yeah. Yeah. And lo and behold, he gives away that penalty yeah. in, in the first five minutes. And he should have been off. Do we agree? Maybe. Well, he was what... all over him and he trampled on his ankle. And also he... The, the and he rule. held him across the into the penalty box. Well, the rule there is that it's about whether or not the defender has attempted to play the ball, hasn't he? And oh, I don't no, really think you can argue all. that he did. Like, it was a straight up, like, can I'm you? just going to foul you now. Argue that he did. Well, he didn't. I don't think he tried to foul him in the penalty box because, you know, you're giving away a penalty. I think he was finding him difficult to deal with. But with the final challenge, he, he did have a go at getting the ball. He just didn't get there. I, I th- think I Danny McAuley, the, the uh, referee, I think he had that whole like, I'm not sending it, someone it, on off in the fifth minute in maybe, a final yeah, yeah. thing. Maybe. I, th- I think that could be it. But I think there's enough of an element of doubt that you have to be 100% sure to, to, to send them off. And I think you, you wonder... If if there's a reason that you send him off, it's it's for the studs on the calf. It's it's not for the angle that Lukaku is because he's, he's still a bit wide, I mm. think. Lovely to see as well, Jesus Navas lifting the Europa League as the cat, the Europa League trophy as a captain mm. after um, he won it age 18 with his hometown club with Sevilla. And the, the way that he celebrated it as well was really emotional with the, 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 the T-shirt of Antonio Puerta and uh, Jose Antonio Reyes, who both played in the 
in the earlier ones and in Reyes' case in some of the latter ones of, of those as well both who are, are no longer with us I mean it must have been like, I don't know how you really express that you know two guys who were there with you at the beginning who who should be there and yeah. are, are, are no longer there it's um you know, something that really changed football in, in, in Seville as well, the, the, the death of Antonio Puerta, because, um, I mean, he was, he was only 22 when he, when he passed as well. And, um, you know, the, the rivalry between Sevilla and Betis that we were talking about before has always been intense, but it was just so ridiculously petty as well mm. up until that point they used to have you know fights in the director's box oh, arguments about who had the best car park all that that sort of stuff <laughs> but they, they, they got to this point where it, it shouldn't take something like this but something like that happened and you know the the, the players from both sides you know that they, they live in each other's pockets yeah, they're, cool. they're, they're, they're close so i think it kind of got the rivalry to a better place because it's still intensely competitive and it's still an incredible atmosphere. But I think there was a sense of, yeah, we've been dickheads. Let's yeah. step back and, and respect each other. And the fans did that as, 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 as well. Yeah. That's so lovely to have that kind of context. Um, there wasn't so much respect perhaps on the on the sidelines as uh, Antonio Conte was yellow carded what only about 17 minutes into the game yeah. after having some sort of fracas that seemed to also feature Eva Benega Benega can press those buttons I mean, asking yeah. if the wig was real was it something along those lines yeah, that's it's, what it's I read. Not sure to call it a wig at all because we know it's a hair no it's not it's, it's just it? hair it's, Eva it's, like <laughs> what's your issue but I love it that's, it's, it's just expensive so, hair it undermines it so much <laughs> it's so brilliantly sort of pointed but how he like rubbed his head at the <laughs> yeah. same time as he did he didn't rub Antonio Conte's head just in case you didn't see it Eva Benega was rubbing his own head yeah. at the time but you, you forget what I a cheeky one ever Benega is. Yeah. Um, speaking of Conte, we said also on Friday, you know, what happens now if 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 Inter don't win the Europa League? And he seemed to be, I don't know, sketching out a potential exit, I thought, in the post-match. Yeah, I don't know if you can even call that on the fence. I, I, I think that's with a foot next door, really, isn't mm. it? And Which seems like a bloody shame, given that the, the number of players that they brought in for him every mm. five minutes and the, the potential, you know, as discussed, we want to hear, a, yeah. we want to see a, it, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, what could always happen is they could replace him with Max Allegri, who replaced him at Juventus. And after he went, oh, these conditions are impossible. I can't work in them. <laughs> Allegri could come along, <laughs> win the title and take them to the <laughs> Champions League final. You know, it's happened before. But I just wonder with contact, you know, we talked about Neymar putting himself under an extraordinary yeah. amount of pressure. I, I wonder if, if, if part of this is... Is, is Antonio Conte in his own head, really? Because in terms of the players, and he was quite clear on this when he went on this run after the, 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 the final game of the season against Atalanta in Serie A, that it's nothing to do with the, the, the activity in the transfer market because they've given him everything he could possibly want. Yeah. But he's, he's got to find something to be like on the edge about. I mean, you know, there was that story that Nicky Bandini tells about how... At the end of um, his his first season, I think it was at Juventus, when they they've won the title, they're unbeaten. They're going to close it out before the final game of the season. They've already won the league, and they're going to go for the unbeaten record. And uh, Buffon just um, asked a question about um, so are we getting when are we getting our bonuses? And Conte just cuts him down by saying, 
every time you open your mouth, you're a disappointment to me. <gasps> and it's like, wow, wow where, where, does, where does that come from? And I just wonder, especially after this time when it's, it's been a difficult time for everyone in the world, I just wonder if Conte's intensity at this point is too much. And also, at the start of the season, he will have genuinely believed that they can go and win Serie A. And yeah. because of that little bit, either side of the pandemic, they didn't. And I just wonder if that's something difficult to, to, to cope with for him. Dress mm. him up in a baddie outfit. Oh, God, he wouldn't be having that at all. Oh, my but goodness he'd, he'd be, me. I am here for that. that role, he already wears, does wear a baddie outfit. Him, yeah. him and Diego Simeone. It's yeah. all, it's all oh, very God, Reservoir yeah. Dogs, isn't it? Yeah, oh, very much so. I, I think they could have Rudy Garcia as one of the minor characters <laughs> in the remake. <laughs> well, congratulations then to Sevilla and to Bayern Munich, European champions both. And congratulations to Gus Hiddink. Yes. For he is the new head coach of Curacao. I mean, that is a, that is a touch, isn't it? That's the, a nice job. 73 years young, Gus plenty of jobs still left in him I think um, and younger than their uh, FIFA world ranking which I think is 77 or 78 so you know they are they, they're pushing for World Cup action these lads I mean I, I do just wonder with uh, we, we talked about Gus Hilling last week actually didn't we about how he kind of got a lot of criticism for phoning in the the, the job as the head coach of, of, of Turkey mm. has he found the ideal job where he can like publicly give, give even less of a shit. Oh, do you think that's the angle? Maybe. Well, the, the stakes are quite Maybe. low, aren't they? Realistically, however... World Cup football is, is not lo- it's not a low but, bar. But it is if, it is if you're not going to get there. If he, but if he doesn't get well, there... With an attitude, like, that's why you've not been appointed head coach of Curacao, Brussels. <laughs> I, I think if he doesn't get there with Curacao, people will understand. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it, there's not much on reputationally on the line for him here, is there? They've jumped up 100 places in the FIFA World Rankings since 2013. Can we have a bit of respect? From the two of you? No, actually. No, you can't. So there. <laughs> We've actually got quite a few fans in Curacao. Well, so, so no if, longer. If you think at the, the, the sort of status he has in South Korea, mm. what does he have to do with Curacao to get that sort of, you know, legendary sort of semi-god-like status? You've got to make some memories, haven't you? If, I mean, if he, genuinely, if, if he does manage to get them, that would be a phenomenal achievement. But even if they just do well in qualifying and like, just, yeah. He's going to have a lovely time. I'm excited for him. He looks nice in the leisure wear as well, mm. which is not easy when you're a gentleman of that age. I mean, I still have the image burned on my brain, and I know Marcus won't thank me for this, but of Sven Joran Eriksson mm. in the in the Cote d'Ivoire tracksuit. <laughs> I mean, that's as bad as it gets. Really. Yeah, it's it, it's Sven's a bit. Not a it's, tracksuit, man. No, it is a bit like it was so ill suited to him. It was a little bit like you know in Pulp Fiction where Harvey Keitel sorts out Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta because they accidentally shoot that, shoot that bloke in the face yeah. and they, they get done up in all the geeky gear. <laughs> yeah, it was worse than that was Finn, I thought. I think he can pull this look off then, Gus Hiddink. That's what we reckon. It may not be obvious, he says, but it was difficult to say no. And that's the end of that for, mm. for another day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that that was an inspiring coda to this podcast. <laughs> uh, back tomorrow, you and me, Andy Bustle. Do you think producer Charlie might be trying to rub a certain bit, amount of salt into a certain Luke's game wound? Look, as, as long as I can get a, 
a lift in on your open top bus and pulled it. <laughs> and Jim, you're not back. You're Pete, am I? I I'm, yeah, Bob Pete's me. Either way. Goodness. Can't wait, guys. See you tomorrow. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.